Triple M's Real Football Show. Oh, Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Massive show for you again this week. Joining us, uh, Heather Garriock, former Matilda, played 130 times. Also a former Olympian. We'll find out uh, what she thinks about the Matildas. Also the Ollie Roos. The Ollie Roos, by the way, Val, playing up on a flight. Yeah. And we're still the details are still very very sketchy All with right. the rugby seven boys, but the there's an investigation going on. Not good for the court. No, it's not That's... at all. Uh, also joining us, Robbie Slater, to tell us uh, about what he saw over in Tokyo as well. I want to get straight into it right now. As always, our special guest Maria Jose Rocas Cote, uh, uh, the Matildas. Um, shocking decision by the referee, and I'm sorry. It's easy to blame referees. We do it a lot. I know. That the Sam Kerr goal disallowed was an absolute stinker of a decision. Yeah, disappointed. I was watching. I was. I, I got very upset because I thought it was a great goal, but that was silly. I mean, what happened in that play? I thought. Well, I really thought she blocked it, but I don't think she she should have called it. And I think it's because the goal didn't go in the back of the net, and she had called that before. So if the if she wouldn't have called that blow the whistle, that wouldn't be a goal. It's because she blew the whistle before the the ball touched the back the, the back of the net. Hmm. That's why I've got to add that the actual TV replays are not conclusive, and it looked like there was a block on yeah, on on, looks, on the mm-hmm. player from Van Egmont. Yeah, but the replays are all over the place, and this has been the the broadcast I think from hell for this Tokyo Games. They they haven't been good. Just to be critical of the referees, I thought they were uh, they were pretty ordinary in the ladies' game. I, I really, you know, the one there up to speed. There was a lot of fouls that were uh, that were pulled up, a couple of bookings as well that were never ever merited. I thought it was quite ordinary the, the referee and, and the Sam Kerr one as you've mentioned, Cote. Yeah, and also um, Chile. Do you watch Chile against Japan? One goal. Um, one of my um, teammates should score a goal. Uh, it seems they went in and they didn't even look at the cameras. The referee was not called to watch the replay, so it was not a goal. When, was when we look back at Euro 2020 or 2021 and we see how good VAR was yep. in that instance, mm-hmm. and you look at the Olympic Games and you see the quality of VAR, the quality of the referees, it's way, way down below. And we've gone backwards again. Which is surprising about the Japanese because they're world leaders in technology. Um, uh, anyway, just very disappointing to see a great goal. She took the goal so well mm-hmm. and to be disallowed over what was, I think, such a minor, minor incident. Uh, ruins a whole tournament, really. Well, it ruins it for the yeah. Matildas, no doubt about that. Yep. And Conte, what about, I, I must say, though, I thought there was a glaring difference. I'm, I'm very uneducated in this, but I thought um, technically on the ball, the Swedes were so much better than the Aussies. I thought they were a much better side. Yeah, look, I think they've been great the whole the whole <laughs> tournament. Like it's been impressed. Um, I've been impressed with them. Like how not just strong they are, but their technique yep. uh, and high speed. Because mm. it's not easy to run mm. with the ball high intensity and have able to control the ball. Now Australia didn't do bad. I thought they were doing really well against them, much better than the other games. But we have to also think about. When you go to semifinals, no matter who are you bursting against, and that's what Matilda showed. And I was happy to see that they were like, we are going to win this game, mm. no matter who they are. So technique is second, third, third, because 
what I, I think is the mentality and anything can happen. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for Matildas, but the way that they step on the field, hmm. it shows that it was possible. But seriously, how are we expected to win the game when you've got Ellie Carpenter playing too defensive and Steph Catley, the, the, the biggest attacking weapons the Matildas have coming in wide positions are too far back. I didn't understand it. Well, the thing is, Sweden is good, Bell. Sweden, Sweden, they attack. They're good players. So, yes, you can go forward. Ellie Carpenter, we know what she can do and what she can bring. She's very quick. She serves and she can shoot from Liston. But at the end of the day, she also has to protect our their, her goal. So it's important. Yes, yeah, she go and do that forward attacking part. But Sweden is not bad. Their so attacking players to... are fantastic. That is it, Rolfo. Mm, the tall, very, yeah. The, the left foot crack she had yeah. when she hit the bar. She's My amazing. God. <laughs> yeah. She can play. Yeah. Um, but, and, and Val, to be fair, Gustafsson's been praised for the way he's handled our team and the way he's coached them. I still don't understand the strategy. I, I thought the Matildas got through more so on individual talent mm. this far yep. rather than tactics. Mm. I think we're much better than the tactics showed. I, and I think it was too conservative, in my opinion. All right. I reckon I thought Val would come in there. If, if he had um, engaged the um, the shape and the system that he played in the, in the previous game, you know, Corey's right. Sweden's a very, very good team. The, the tactics needed to change. And I agree with you to a certain extent, you because when you, when you, there's only 11 holes to fill there. If you're, if you're playing your, your guns in a more defensive role, that's a tactic that you sit on as a as a coach, and you put your you hang your hat on that. It, but, it was a block. Yeah, yeah. But the bottom line is, had it been the same system or the same same shape in the previous game, I think we might have got hammered. Let's go back to the game earlier in the tournament where the Matildas played USA. That was defensive, wasn't it? That was well, a shock. Both, they weren't trying to was, win it. No, that was both the, teams. That was yeah, both teams. US and Australia yeah, were shocked. Therefore, <laughs> why did our girls attack then? Take the game on. Because they didn't need to. A good way to, to you know get this across here is you look at the Olaroos against Spain. It was just that that's a defensive game. Mm. You know, it was like eighty percent possession. But as you mentioned as well, Val, 80%. I think that's what you're about to say. But but that's you know, if you're going to be playing a game like that and hit people on the break, well that's a tactic, but it never worked. But you're playing Spain and you can't get the ball off Spain. And I think Graham Arnold was absolutely correct in playing the game that he played. Because if he simil- opened up, it would have been but 6 But, it's a similar dynamic we're trying to you know, get but, across but with the ladies' the game. The two best attacking weapons the Matildas had were playing in a five-woman block, which I totally disagree with. They, they're yeah. outlets. There was no outlet when we played Sweden. All right, you're listening. What, what are you a coach now, Val? What's that, Simon? That's my opinion. Can I have one? Exactly. Of course. You're listening to The Real Football Show. It comes for Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr shot. And when the ball falls to Sam Kerr, she so rarely fails to produce. Australia level. You got the sense the goal was coming. And Team GB, as they sat back and soaked it up, the chance came and was taken by Sam Kerr for Australia. Wasn't that one of the most tension-filled games you've ever, ever seen in the world of football? It was amazing stuff. Joining us now to talk all about the Matildas at the Olympics, a lady who played 130 times for Australia, played in the Olympic Games. Gee, she's well-rounded. These days, she's the CEO of Australian Taekwondo. Heather Garriock, welcome to The Real Football Show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. And just hearing that footage of the GB game, it's, it's edgy seat stuff. It and, was. Um, amazing. It was riveting. How, how good do you think the Matildas have been during the tournament? And to be brutally honest, 
I never thought they had any chance, especially with that lead-up, four losses and a draw, and then all of a sudden it's turned around. Do you know what? It's this is high-performance sport, and the lead-up was on purpose. Um, playing against our top or the, the top five nations, and and um, being out of our comfort zone um, from a football nation, having a new coach come in, new tactics. Uh, yeah, look, the, the people on the inside had belief, in, in particular the players, and our new new coach Tony. Um, is obviously implementing quite a lot of belief within the players. You can see that never say die attitude. So, um, yeah, for, for the for the football um, person on on the inside, um, we always believed. Hello, yeah, the game against Sweden. We've been critical uh, with the coach's tactics, so we we thought that he played uh, the gun players um, too deep. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, it, it's it's a catch twenty two. You've got um, players like uh, Ellie Carpenter that are, that are playing out of position. She's more of a player that likes to attack um, up and down the flank, uh, gets gets crosses in. Uh, however, I'm sure everybody would agree um, our biggest weakness is our defence, and um, we've struggled. We've conceded um, a ridiculous amount of goals in the last nine odd games. I think it's about fifteen goals uh, in in the last nine games, which is a lot. So. Mm-hmm. You sort of need to. She's had to play a role, a defensive role, um, same as a player like Steph Catley as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, his tactics were, were interesting, um, but I'm sure he he was mindful from a defensive point of view. What would you have done, Heather, in that case? You, as a coach, um, would you have pushed um, um, Ellie a little bit more? Yeah, I, I, I really think I would have played a back four. Um, I would have played Claire Polkinghorne uh, centrally, uh, okay. whether it be uh, partnered with an Ellie and, and maybe an Alana Kennedy um, holding and screening the the, the uh, two centre-backs. I would have Steph, Steph Catley um, playing left-back and being able to produce the, the crosses that she has produced, mm. um, which is the most in the tournament. But Ellie's strengths are, you know, how dynamic and athletic she is and, and she plays such a... A big role for Lyon, her club in in, in France. So um, I think that's our strengths. However, you've got um, you know between Ivy and and Polks, um, they're not super quick. But if if you play if Sweden played in front of us, which that that's what we allowed them to do. Yeah, I think that would have been better. Now tonight we've got the big game and um, bronze medals up for grabs against the USA and. Who would have thought the USA were going to get, you know, play off for bronze? Because obviously they they were the leaders and, and the favourites, and they're not. We've got potentially new gold medalists, Sweden and Canada. How important is this to Australian football that we get that bronze? Yeah, obviously really important to get, to get any medal at any Olympic Games. It, it's super important. I will say though, um, playing against the US, we haven't beat the US before. Um, we've we've drawn with the US. It's going to be a massive game. And um, one thing that's that's important is, is being able to use the depth of your bench. Whereas America's got that over us. Our, our main main players and our our core players have played. Um, you know, this is their fifth game of 90 minutes for the likes of Sam Kerr and Emily Van Egmon and, and Kaya Simon. So it's important to get the bronze. But I, but I really think if we walk away from this Olympic Games and um, we don't get the bronze, it's still we've made history um, from a football perspective. We've captured the imaginations of, of, of all the young aspiring kids that, that want to be like your Sam Kerr or Ellie Carpenter. And the beautiful thing is, is in two years' time, we've got all the world's best teams coming to 
uh, to Australia to compete for for the 2023 Women's World Cup, which this sets this sets the scene um, massively. But yeah, of course, a bronze medal would be the absolute pinnacle, especially to beat uh, the USA, um, which we haven't done before at a major tournament. Heather, yeah. we we've, we know Sam Kerr, we know Ellie Carpenter. You've mentioned uh, you know the superstars. Who has impressed you? Who have you seen in this tournament? that are the next phase? Who's going to take us beyond those senior players? Yeah, I, th- I think that's really important. And you would have seen um, the likes of Mary Fowler come on as an impact player and score that brilliant volley, yep. Um, yep. which which was super important. So, so somebody like her who's very unpredictable, um, you know, she's just got a sniff on goal, really prolific goal scorer. Young Kyra Cooney-Cross um, from Victoria, who is, is a really, you know, handy, handy midfielder. Um, but... Yeah, you've got you've got the experienced players that are playing a major role. I think the biggest the biggest thing for Australian football is to be able to bridge that gap and create depth um, within um, the national team. So that's that's one thing that that, that we're struggling with at the moment. Mm. Um, but Emily Gilnick, um, which we haven't seen her used much off the bench, while she's a, a great attacking player, I would absolutely love to see her playing uh, central defence, her size, yeah. speed, Massive. her aerial ability. Um, I think she would be a, a great central defender uh, for the future for the Matildas. A lot hasn't been said about this record TV audience for women's sport in Australia versus Sweden. 2.39 million viewers. That is massive. I mean, this is a massive brand now. How can we keep capitalising on this? Yeah, I think the, the, the results uh, play play a key part. But the other thing that plays a key part is the TV is the TV rights. Um, we're talking about um, it's not pay TV that that we've seen. Channel Seven has um, covered this Olympics superbly. It's it's been at, at prime time, seven o'clock, nine o'clock this evening. Oh, sorry, uh, this evening is six o'clock um, kickoff. So it's at prime time. We we just need to continue to to get results, um, but also. You've got the players that are role models that are very humble and um, and they connect with with the general public and and that's what that's what we love about about our Matildas. Uh, it's it's important though uh, for football in Australia. Heather, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the game tonight, as you said, prime time right around Australia, and let's hope our girls can beat the USA for the first time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It'd be fabulous to get a bronze medal, absolutely. Go yep. the Matildas. Good on you. Heather Garriock, former champion Matildas player, played 130 times for Australia. Superstar this. 130 caps. Jeez, that's amazing. They carried all before them then. It hasn't been the same in this competition. And Oller and Shaw has found space on the right. Cabrera missed it. Graham Arnold trying to manufacture something here. Is Lass in trouble? Yes! Oh, it's given. It's Wade. What a start. They chased the referee to Argentina. We've talked all about the Matildas. Let's focus now on the Ollie Roos. How have we seen their tournament? Fox Sports commentator Robbie Slater joins us. Robbie, thanks for joining us on The Real Football Show. How do you sum up the Ollie Roos performance in Tokyo? Yeah, no problem, Val. Uh, we'll just correct something. So it's ex-Fox Sports commentator. Yes, so we'll yes. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that. Yes. No, this is not being anti-Fox. God's sake, they gave me a life for 23 years. But um, obviously the rights have moved on to Paramount and Channel 10. So uh, we'll see how that all develops. But, you know, on the, the Oli Roos, look, I'm like everyone else, extremely disappointed because when you're given... The start we had by beating Argentina against all the odds, against all the experts' opinions, 
including probably all of us. We were a long shot to beat Argentina, yep. and we did it, and we did it in style. So, from that point, I think everyone's hopes were you know, built up, maybe to a level that was maybe a little bit too high. But I think the, 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 the match against Spain was, let's be honest, was a, a, an exercise in chasing the ball with yep. Spanish. Uh, favourites for the gold medal, and that's been proved true to some extent by them being in the gold medal game against Brazil, of course. Um, but I thought we were brave against Spain, and I, I thought, you know, against very, very good opposition. I mean, nine players who had been to the Euros, when you saw what you know, Real Madrid plays Champions League win, winners coming off the bench for, for them, you knew the size of the task. But um, then we had Egypt, and you can't you can't not say that that wasn't a massive disappointment because I think it was a very average performance from us. But, you know, and I get smashed because Graham Arnold is obviously my best friend. Um, but we've always had a good professional relationship in respect to, you know, he doesn't, you know, take me to task on what I do and I have to say what I have to say, uh, you know, about the soccerers when he's in charge or whether it was when he was at the Mariners or Sydney blah, blah, blah. So, you know, against Egypt, we were we were definitely average. Was it the three games in six days that that, that played a factor? I think it was. I mean, A-League players aren't used to playing three games in six days, but does it sound like an excuse for, for your best mate? Maybe that can, but look, I think going into the tournament, we were massive outsiders to qualify, and it proved to be the case that it was too much for us, and um, yeah, we, we we didn't go through. But as I said, with the start we had, it was very disappointing. But I think it was great for us to be there finally after 12 years. And I think we can see the importance of our players having that experience at an Olympic game, because historically, you know, all of our big players have played at Olympic games. I think that something like in the past, 80% of Olympic players uh, progressed onto the soccer route. So there you go. That was how long did that go for? That could be a record. <laughs> no wonder I'm not, no wonder they got away from Fox Sports. Oh, come on. <laughs> Robbie, I'd let you come in there. Looking at going back to the Egypt match, um, in Arnie's defence, he had three his proven superstars suspended um, from the previous game there. But another thing I would like to mention to you there, the overage players, I think he was allowed to have three overage players. Mm. Now, he had Duke in there in that uh, capacity, but, you know, why wouldn't the Rogic of this world or the Moyes uh, be formed part of that? Well, you, you know, going up against Spain, it was a, a no-brainer for me that, that, that they really had no chance. When nine people yeah. coming off the Euros, why didn't he uh, involve better overage players? They didn't want to go, Harvey. Yeah. No one, no one wanted to go, and, and uh, the, the European clubs didn't have to release them. It's, a, it's an extraordinary situation, but... Because of COVID, because of everything that was going on, um, they didn't have to. They didn't have to go, and, and no one wanted to go. Well, again, that just creates a mismatch. As I've mentioned, uh, Robbie, with, with Spain, yeah. nine people coming from the Euros. It's just, it's a you know, there's no chance. It's a, an unbalanced game. You know, you're looking at the value of players on that ground. It was something like two hundred and twenty million dollars, <laughs> as opposed to. 
20 million on our side of the fence. You know, it's just it's an unbalanced situation, in my opinion. So, no, it's, it's a 100%. It's like going into a surfing contest without a surfboard. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Good analogy. It was, uh, yeah. it was because you, you, looked at, you looked at the Spanish team and you saw, uh, who was the one, sorry, it's just slipped my mind, the guy, he comes off the bench and sets up the winner. for oh, Sensio. Real Madrid. Yeah, Sensio. Yeah. Real Madrid, Champions League winner. Oh, no. And, you know, and no disrespect to us, but who's coming off the bench for us, you know, and that's no disrespect, man, and I know you know that. Yeah. But, no. but I think, Robbie, I think um, you know, like for me, and I've been watching Australia, um, they do it well. They did. They did well. Like uh, especially the win against Argentina. But I think it's you know besides who we have on the bench, I think it's it's about giving them the opportunity to showcase for them yes. to go overseas, for them to get a club, for them to be developing Europe. Maybe I think more than having great players as you know Spain, Argentina, even Brazil. I think it's for them is 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 to show is to show what they can do. They are still you know young players, so I think it's, it was a great opportunity. Don't you think? I think you're a hundred percent right. You hit the nail bang on the head, and that's where that's where in the past, if I go back to the past, and I'll talk about this group of players after that. Most of the legends, hypothetically, are in commas, legends of our game was selected from the, their performances at Olympic Games or that was a big part of why they went to European clubs. So what I'm saying is in the past, the, apart from a select few who went as 16-year-olds, which was Harry Kuehl, Lucas Snell, Timmy Cale, uh, Mark Bosnich, I think, went as a youngster. The rest all went to Olympic Games, like Mark Duca and Ocons and Villages and all, you know, myself, Graham Arnold, Vidmars, you can you can go through them all, and we came from the NSL and we went to the Olympics and we went overseas overseas and we became better players. Mm-hmm. We were better players than we were in the NSL because we went over and played full time professional football. You played a lot more games, exactly. and you went as this player from the NSL and who went to an Olympic Games, but you went and got better when you went over there. And but the Olympic Games was the springboard, and Maria. You've, hit the nail on the head. That's what's been missing for 12 years. You know, two Olympic campaigns we missed out. And look, at the Socceroos today, we're, we've got the ETL that will kick off yeah. and all the other leagues in Europe, the top leagues, I'm talking about the big five, France, England, Spain, Germany, Italy, we're going to kick off every one of those seasons without an Aussie in one of them. Oh, we've got one in Spain now. Well, I've got one in Spain, sorry, and we've got a young boy who's not a first-teamer in South, but I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's because we haven't qualified for Olympic Games. That's part of the reason why the development hasn't been there. So, Marie, you did the nail on the head. I know some of these players will get contracts out of this Olympic Games, and their performances... We'll, we'll give them a, a crack overseas. Mm-hmm. Robbie, can I just make a point? I'm going to be a bit of a killjoy here. Was it a bit of a false <laughs> no, high? No, there's no way. No, there's no I believe in honesty. That's all. Because I think we've got to be honest yeah. when we look at these performances. Beating Argentina, it was a handicap event. They were down to 10 men. And whilst it was yeah. fantastic, we scored twice. We know no matter what level you're playing at, if you're playing with 10 men, you, you are backs to the wall. Did we get too mm-hmm. carried away with beating Argentina? I think it's. Uh, I think the answer to that is yes. I was very conscious of the fact we were winning one nil. Um, Argentina was starting to 
really get a foothold in the game, let's be honest, but straight after half-time, they go bang to 10 men and then it's back to the wall. It's, yeah. it's unlikely that they're going to they're going to go on and win the game. Um, that's just common sense, tells you. Part. All right, so then we lose to Egypt, which was a shocker, and then we lose to Spain. So I'm just trying to say, and I'm not, I'm, you know... It wasn't... I don't know if we're that good, to be honest. I think the Matildas have been outstanding uh, and have played really well. Ollie Ruse, I would yeah. say, disappointing. Yeah, I would, I would disagree with that. I think we had our moment. Um, but the, the, for, and for me, it's the, the fact that we're there and that we need to get better. Yeah. And we need our yeah. players to develop more. But there is no doubt. And the Matildas have been fantastic. Um, they've been ordinary in patches as well, but they've certainly been the team that's performed the best out of the two by a, by a country mile, and that's why they're in the bronze medal playoff the, this evening. But for the, for the... Listen, people need to open their eyes to what's been going on in this country. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually... It was nearly a miracle we got to the Olympic Games. I mean, we haven't qualified in 12 years. There's a reason for that. And until people open their eyes to what the development of young players and what's going on in this country... And the fact that we don't play enough games, particularly our young players, I mean, this will be the eternal problem. Mm, absolutely. Now, so we play, so the, the new A-League's going to kick off. I've heard it's going to be 22 games. Do you yeah. think that's enough? No, no way. That's no way, way, way too short. Games. Way, way too 26, short. 26 games is too short. Yeah. You can't have, as professional footballers, if you've got a hope of competing on the international level or on an individual level, the hope of going over and playing overseas, you you can't be playing 26 games. You can't have six months off a year. No, but it's, it's terrible. Now, now, Robbie, at, at the top of the interview, you said ex-Fox Sports. What? <laughs> yeah, it's all and, I you know, I've, I've loved you as a, as a football player. You commentary, you're brutally honest. You put noses out of joint because of the, your honesty. Well, What's you're in the next? minority, pal. You're in the minority. No, I'm, not. I'm in the majority, majority buddy. But as a commentator, I, I think you're in the minority. <laughs> That's if I listen to social media. But you know what? I have a theory. If you're getting bagged on Twitter, you must be doing something right. Yeah. Spot on. Yep. Keep them honest. So yeah. what's what's your future in the game? Mate, my future at the moment is uh, I don't have a position. I, I do have a couple of jobs that I do. Uh, you know, I do some chipping for, for Tab Corp and I do radio up here in Sydney. But no, apart from, no, I won't be involved with Channel 10 Paramount. Um, so, but that's fine. I had, a, I had a great run. You know, I'm not one of those two people that uh, turns around and, and says, you know, you deserve a job forever and you, you get bitter and twisted. No, I had a great run. And if they want to go in a different direction, then, you know, the game always needs to freshen itself up. Um, would I like to be involved? Yeah, I would have. Of course I would have. I'm not going to lie. But if my time's done, then then my time's done, and uh, you know I, I have an old saying that don't be sad it's over, just be happy that it happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good attitude, Robbie. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. And again, brutal honesty, and I'm sure, I am sure that, you'll be picked having, up. Having said that, is there any jobs down there for? Uh, <laughs> mate, we're trying to keep I'm, ours. I'm scratching myself. <laughs> we'll look after ourselves before we look after you. Yeah, that's a very good point, mate. It's a very good point. <laughs> good on you, Robbie. Thanks so much for Cheers, talking Robbie. to us. Cheers, Robbie. Good on you, guys. Cheers. There he is, Bye. Robbie Slater. Uh, can I just go back? I'm not trying to uh, emphasise the point that I made, but playing 10 men, Albie, as I said, even if I like watch a local under-16 game, yeah. you're up against it. And I, I thought we got a bit carried away with the Argentina. You know, we all want to say, we beat Argentina. How good is that? 
It they were down good. to 10 men. Well, as the results showed, Argentina didn't really do well either. You know, they, no. they weren't a good side no, they weren't no. in, in, in no. this, in this well, competition, struggling. you know. Right. So I think we did get a, a bit carried away. Mm. But I thought, included. I thought the game plan against Spain, Arnie had it spot on. We, we, but we, they were a great know, side. You're not going to win that game by opening up. And mm. it was unfortunate that they fell asleep at the vital moment. But you look at this. No disgrace in the Spanish game, though. No, they no, are a great but side. But against Egypt, I think it proved that our depth mm. is not there. And you know who frustrates me the most in this side? Daniel Arzani. He's absolutely frustrating. He, for me, he's got incredible skills, knows how to take on, can't hit a pass for 10 metres. Mm. What's going on there, Howdy? There's been a bit of social media on Arzani as well, mentioning the, the specific things that you've just mentioned, Val. Mm. But he is a good player, but he does frustrate because he, his final execution is, is not there. He looks good, and then final execution lets him down. It's a sign of a, a player that a, a potential player that you look at, and then you, you you actually get that in your brain, and he doesn't make it. And it's chaos and confusion. I've seen it in the A League. A lot of young kids come through, create chaos and, con- and confusion off the bench. They don't go on with it. And this looks like Arzani. He needs to be. I don't know. Tactically, I don't know what it is, but he's not refined. And I'm thinking he's spent enough years. I know over exactly there what now. you mean, Val. I know exactly what you mean, and um, you know he's he's a confident boy. I've I've been in his company a couple of times, and he is a confident lad. He was doing well when he went to uh, Man City, then he went across to Celtic as well, loaned out there. Then he took, got his ACL done at at, um, at Dundee. Um, you know, there's been a lot happening in his life, but he's come back now, and he, and, and he seemed as if he was, you know, just yes, exactly. You know, really high opinion of himself and I think he needs to take a couple of steps backwards get his game in in tune in in order and I think he'll be a decent player take the mirrors out of his house yep yeah yep right. let's move on what are the big topics in the world of sport in the world of football Uh, Ange Postacoglu what's the word coming out of Scotland we're only a couple of weeks in but what's the word Albert what are you hearing yeah I I spoke to uh, Murdo McLeod the former Celtic player during the week there and um, he's going to be coming on the show with Paul McStay Mm. Uh, so that's really good insight into what's happening at Celtic. Um, struggling. Lost to Hearts. I watched, Hearts newly promoted. Lost to Hearts. Not a good result. I watched the game against Hearts. A full game on Saturday. And uh, they played very, very well. Uh, probably should have won. However, being the Celtic manager, it's just not good enough to play well. Mm. He's got to win. Yep. And he's playing in Europe. He's got a very, very hard game on Friday in Europe. Mm-hmm. Europa. He's got to win this game, and he's under pressure. Albie, you've been over there, and I've seen a couple of interviews where he's actually getting a little bit pointed towards journalists asking questions rather than just answer them straight up. He's yep. asking a question back. So they're going to bury him then? If he, I if don't know. Albie knows the journos a lot better than what I do. I do. British journos, I, mate. I was listening to a, a Scottish guy uh, whose name will remain with me just now, but um, he asked a few questions in a way that was very, very disrespectful to Ange's background. And and he answered accordingly, and um, and that goes against the grain. And then someone else has jumped on the bandwagon and says, look, this guy should focus in on his coach and not focusing in on his responses to, to journals. And being a, a journal that asks questions, you and I've been in the situation, you see a coach that, Bites back, and I'm a guy. I'll keep biting. 
I'll keep biting until you get the reaction that you need yep. to, to sell your product. And and this for Ange, I think, could lead to an absolute disaster. He needs to, in my opinion, accept all these questions, and even though he thinks they might be stupid, answer them and move on. Hmm. Well, he's just bought two players, by the way, Joe Hart from uh, from England. Yep. He's 33 years of age. He's uh, on a three-year contract. I guess that's okay for a goalkeeper at that age. Good goalkeeper. Yeah, he is a good, good goalkeeper. He'll bring a bit of lot of experience to that club as well. But uh, there's something seriously wrong there. Um, <laughs> they're going to be playing Rangers in a, in a few weeks. So, you know, he needs to be up for that game. And if he wins that game, he'll be a hero. Regardless if he's sitting at the bottom of the league. Yep. All right. Uh, what, are, what are the other big topics in the Kane, world of football? Harry Kane. He's uh, looking at going for two hundred and thirty-eight million. Well, he's actually joke. he's actually walked out on Tottenham just now. He's not yep. rocked up for training, no. so that's uh, certainly in limbo. Um, and this is a silly move in my opinion, Dits, because he's sitting on a three-year contract, and they could they could potentially just let him sit in, on that contract for three years. Mm. At oh, Man City, not play, not play him, sit him in the stand. If they want to be nasty, but there's a lot of dollars at, 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 uh, at stake here. But he has basically not rocked up for training for Spurs. And remember a couple of months ago, we talked about this, the Super League, the European Super League, and these rebel clubs, and they've, yeah. won, they've won that appeal against UEFA. I think it's going to happen because of what's going on with the English Premier League. They're dominating in the transfer market. You see Roman Lukaku now, I think it's up to 130 million euro. To get him from Inter, the Chinese owner of Inter is going to Back let him go to, to Chelsea. Chelsea. That's right. Yep. They're picking up the best players in the world and, and players from good clubs, say in Germany, in Italy, um, Spain, France. And France, are going to the worst clubs potentially. I'm not saying Lukaku is going to the worst club, but they're going to bad clubs for the coin. And it's unbalancing the entire um, leagues right across the planet. I reckon this Super League is going to be back on. Yeah, but I think they go all their bell off just to showcase, to do well, and then he's back at Chelsea. I mean, they're going out there, yeah, for money maybe, no big clubs or big clubs, but they are not doing um, Inter one. I have to say, but uh, what I'm talking about well, is... Chelsea's a big club. I'm not saying Lukaku, but... Yeah, he may go back there, yeah, but that's why I'm saying. I think they, 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 over, they showcase, they do well, they win a tournament, and then that's why the Super League is, yeah, putting eyes on them again. Mm. All right, you've been listening to The Real Football Show. Uh, good luck uh, for the rest of the Olympic Games. Quickly, a tip, who's going to win the men's, who's going to win the women's? Spain. Spain and... And Sweden. 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 And in the men's? Spain. Yep. Same. Same. Spain and Sweden. Spain and Sweden. We are unanimous. Have a great week in the world of football. We'll do it all again next week.